here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. Break it down. It's the king. Oh, you didn't know? Stand back. I'm a master. Mamacita. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Eat me. Let's you're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm the barbarian Andrew Rich. Joining me on this Muscular Mystery Tour, as always, is my good friend and partner, the Scorelord, Chris Maffei. Together, we are your hosts, the Power Chords of Pain. And Chris, the last time we spoke, you were dipping your toes back into the podcast pool with Samoa Joe. Are you ready to jump headfirst into the icy blue and white waters of SmackDown? I'm not really sure, because some of these songs are really great, but then some of these songs also just made me never want to listen to music again. <laughs> so I guess we'll find out. Yeah, uh- We'll find out. The good news is, is that like the majority of SmackDown's history, this is a taped show. So if for some reason you, you know, you throw up or you, you pass out due to your, your anger or your disgust for these songs, we'll re-record it. No Psycho Sid moments for us, you know. Can I start over? <laughs> Roll out, pal. So at least we have that going for us. What if I die? I'll just, I'll just keep going. Oh, all right. The show must go on. The show must go on. That's what I say. Show business, not, not show friends. <laughs> Today, Chris, episode 17, indeed, we are doing our first theme history episode about a wrestling TV show, in this case, SmackDown, or SmackDown Live, or Team Blue, or the Blue and White Delight, or whatever you want to call it. The Blue and White Delight. Currently airing live every Tuesday on the USA Network. The pilot aired on April 29th, 1999 on UPN. Then the first official episode aired later that year on August 26th, and it's been going ever since as one of WWE's two main shows, the other, of course, being Monday Night Raw. And it's hard to really imagine, for me anyway, a time when SmackDown didn't exist, when there wasn't a second show, because I came on board in 2003, and by that point, SmackDown was, you know, full steam ahead. But of course, there was plenty of time when it didn't exist, when Raw was the sole focus of WWE programming on TV. Chris, you've been a wrestling fan 
longer than I have. Uh, do you remember when SmackDown came on the scene? I do. I remember watching the first, you know, the pilot with my cousin and just being like really excited, like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I mean, it still didn't have its identity at that point. And, you know, they were using like red ropes and it didn't have the full package yet. But just the fact that there was another show, the fact that it was called SmackDown, which I thought was really cool because obviously one of the Rock's catchphrases and just the fact that there could be another night of wrestling on TV for me to watch. I was super jazzed about it when it became a full-time show and it was on every Thursday night. I was really pumped about it. And often I would watch SmackDown more than I would watch Raw because I I was still really young at this point. During the school year, I wasn't allowed to stay up to watch the whole edition of Raw. So I'd be able to watch like the first hour or so and then I had to go to bed. So I was always really like, oh no, why can't I see the main event? But SmackDown alleviated that problem because it was on earlier and it was also on a Thursday night. So it was kind of like, ah, tomorrow's Friday, do whatever you want, watch, you know. So I could stay up and watch SmackDown and it became the show that I kind of gravitated towards because I could see the whole thing and I could see what happened. And I also saw clips of what happened on Raw. So SmackDown really kind of ingrained itself as far as my wrestling fandom at that time. And there were years when it was a lot better than Raw. So I always kind of gravitated towards SmackDown in that regard. Yeah, when I first started watching it, it was during the first brand split. So SmackDown is one show with one group of guys. Raw is another show with another group of guys. And I remember as a kid liking SmackDown more than Raw, like you said. And uh, this is when the show was still on Thursdays, 8 p.m. on UPN. And that's where I found Undertaker, who's my all-time favorite. That's where I found you know, Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, John Cena. All the cruiserweights were on SmackDown. And you know, Evolution, who I hated so much. Uh, they, that that were they weren't allowed on the show. They had to stay, they had to stay on Raw because that's the rules. And there was so much blue, and I love the color blue. And uh, there was the stage set up with a giant fist that I loved a lot. And uh, of course, the, the best part, like you said, Chris, the best part was the fact that it aired from eight to ten, so I could watch the whole show before going to bed. Meanwhile, those bastards on Raw. We're on from 9 to 11, and I could only watch half the show, and I had to go to bed at 10. So these are all these are all kids' reasons, obviously, and as I got older and got to stay up later and the brand split kind of meant less and less, I stopped you know playing such heavy favorites between the shows. You know, because let's be honest, over the years, a lot of things have changed in regards to the television shows. The rosters, the sets, the logos, the time slots the channels, the announcers, and the theme songs. SmackDown itself has been around for 18 years, and they've had 12 main themes. Most of these themes have been around for only, what, one to three years? In that sort of range? So there's a lot of turnover when it comes to these themes. It's quite crazy how many they've used. Especially in more recent years, I didn't realize that there were like five or six themes that had come into play since like the mid to late 2000s there is a lot of stuff that i didn't even remember and there were things that i did remember once i heard them but looking at the title i was like what is this as opposed to the first batch the first few which are so ingrained in i'm sure most of our memories yeah we we should note that you know with these themes there's there's a healthy mix when it comes to the their points of origin they're not all coming from the same place We have in-house work, we've got outside artists, 
we've got super popular bands. We've got bands that I, I've never heard of before or since. So there's a lot of variety when it comes to where these themes come from. And like you said, there, there's so much, so much turnover that, you know, it, they're coming a mile a minute here. There's some of them last a year, some of them last two years. A couple of them don't even last a full year. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how long these last in regards to where they come from as well. Yeah, some of these shouldn't have ever even been on TV, but we'll save that <laughs> for when we get to it. All right, we start off with the first SmackDown theme ever. It debuted on April 29th, 1999, and it ran until August 9th, 2001, so a little more than two years. It's by Jim Johnston, and it's called Everybody on the Ground. Smackdown, Chris, the big new show, the new arm in the octopus that is the Vince McMahon empire. It's going to launch them further into the stratosphere of pop culture superstardom. And what does it have? What does it have for its all-important first theme? Gibberish. Heavy metal gibberish. And make no mistake, this is gibberish, according to the man himself, Jim Johnston. I found an interview he did in 2013 for the Village Voice where he talks about some of his themes and this theme which he sings himself by the way here's what he says about it I was hearing some early metal stuff and was always shocked how bad the vocals were and that the lyrics were absolutely unintelligible the theme I had written was in this style and I couldn't find a singer so I did it myself there are no lyrics I just sang gibberish I had fans contact me for a lyric sheet, which, of course, I could not provide. The balls. The absolute balls on Jim Johnston to make that choice for the very first theme for this hot new show. No lyrics, just gibberish. Because he could easily have done Thorn in Your Eye Part 2, where it's the same aggressive metal riffs with the clearer vocals. But nope, we got garbled nonsense buried in the mix underneath the metal instrumentation that's confidence chris that is such confidence i love the idea of jim johnston listening to like old early 80s crusty thrash metal and just like sitting there i can't understand what what are they saying are, <laughs> like with him nerdy with like his glasses and stuff and yes they just like listening to like morbid angel or something like that i love that idea Second of all, this doesn't sound like anything that Jim Johnston had done up to this point. You can usually tell when he's using the same drums on something or when he's kind of writing in the same key or some t a lot of times he has like the same type of legato strings in the background of a theme. This doesn't sound like anything he had done to the point where I didn't even know if he did this until we were researching this and I was looking at the notes and... Yeah, it's a Jim Johnston original. I thought that maybe it was just some production music, and that's why they kind of did away with it after a few years. But it really just speaks to his versatility, and also the idea that this is a completely new show. It shouldn't sound anything like Raw, like you were saying. It shouldn't sound like Thorn in Your Eye. It should sound completely different. And it sounds oddly futuristic, but at the same time, very much of its time. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. It's a hard genre to define because I guess it's metal, but it's really not straight up metal. It's some kind of subgenre therein, but it's super high energy. And those vocals, I mean, <laughs> first of all, I don't believe him when he says there are no lyrics. I think there are lyrics, and I think he's just super embarrassed about them. <laughs> so he just tells people that, oh, yeah, it's just gibberish. I mean, I'm, I'm not fooled. There are words in there to be made out. It's just that he doesn't want to let us know what it is. There are at least four words we know of. Four words that we know of. Everybody on the ground. After that, it's kind of up in the air what they are, but th there are words. Now, in this type of situation, the place to go is YouTube, because you know that everyone's going to have their own interpretation of whatever the lyrics are. And I was scrolling through, and I wasn't too impressed with what the people were posting of what they thought it was, but the one that really got my, <laughs> got my attention was... Everybody on the ground, Will Smith selling crack. Yes, yes, I saw that too. I saw that one too, yes. <laughs> Which is our, our second Will Smith re reference of the podcast in, in two weeks. Woohoo! Ha ha! Two in a row. <laughs> in my mind, those are the actual lyrics. It's canon. W will Smith is a wholesome individual. He will. He would never do something like that, Chris. Oh, He's no. Hey, listen, Jindrak is canon and Will Smith is selling crack. <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, like you said, Chris, it's very of the time. Very, very 99 in terms of the sound. Also, it's very 99 in terms of the wrestling product because this is very much the Attitude Era. We are staunch in the middle of that. So maybe the thinking was, hey, the product is so massively popular. It doesn't matter what the lyrics are. It doesn't matter if the theme is gibberish because people are going to watch anyway to see The Rock and Mankind and Stone Cold. So why not just do that? You know, it's thinking like, you know, why bother creating clean vocals when you just people are just going to watch anyway? Well, for that fact, he didn't even have to have any vocals. It could have been an instrumental. All right, fair enough. I think Jim Johnson is just super embarrassed about these lyrics that he wrote. <laughs> I really, if I ever have the chance to talk to him, I'm just going to ask him, like, listen, between you and me, I'm, I don't have a podcast or anything. Between you and me, what 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 are you, what are you saying on, on everybody on the ground? What is it? I have to compliment him for doing his best delirious imitation. <laughs> that's, that's that's what I hear with the phone. <laughs> Everybody on the ground. <laughs> Ultramantis Black. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I hear. It's, it's, it's delirious cutting a promo. That, that's kind of what I hear. We have to mention, of course, we have to mention with this song, Botchamania. Yes. I can't hear this song without thinking of Botchamania. He's got a bicycle. You want to play 21? Jesus. It's like, I can't hear the song without thinking of all that stuff. So, so, so good on, it may not have aged well, but good on Matthew for finding a way to repurpose the song for our entertainment. I don't know about you, but when I hear the song, I just see the color blue. Mm. I see that original blue and black logo, that song and that image and the images of the intro video. Because we, we should talk about that, too, because the way the intro video for this song is cut is also super fun. It's really fast-paced, like, even faster than the raw video package was at that time. Lots of quick cuts on action. But then it slows down during the transition from the A section to the B section. That... Yep. And The Rock does the, he smells the air, which everyone does that when they listen to this song. I don't care who you are, you do that when you listen to this song. That is super memorable, that video and this song. And I guess a lot of that too comes from playing the SmackDown video games because you would see it so often and hear it so often when you would play those. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how the songs correlate with the opening videos, which I want to get to specifically with one, one of the themes later on. Next up, though, is our second SmackDown theme, and it's our first 
outside artist used for a SmackDown theme. It was used from August 16th, 2001 to May 15th, 2003 off the album Antichrist Superstar. This is Marilyn Manson with The Beautiful People. Usually, Chris, when a show changes themes, it has to do with you know a big event, like a channel change or an anniversary, or in this case, really much just really just a change in the landscape. Because this is August 2001, WCW and ECW are dead as doornails. So WWF here is the sole survivor. This is them transitioning out of the Attitude Era and into ruthless aggression. So we still have a few months left in the invasion angle, but from here on out, it's still a different place than it was a year or two ago. And to go along with these changes, SmackDown gets a new theme, The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. Still the same genre of song, still that you know aggressive kind of metal rock stuff. So it's not a complete 180 shift, but it's still a big change considering we're going now to an outside source for a theme. And you can actually hear what, Man- what Manson's singing. So it's a little bit different here in regards to the, to the song choice. A little bit. But first I want to know that this was also used as the Raw theme for a very brief time in 1997 before they transitioned to Thorn in Your Eye. I think it was actually used without permission as well. Also heavily inspired one of Perry Saturn's WCW themes. And Mike Awesome, yes. This is a song that I never really appreciated at the time, but it's one that I've actually come around on in recent years. I've never really been like a Marilyn Manson fan, so I only know really a few songs. So it'd be like this, and I guess his covers of uh, Personal Jesus and Sweet Dreams. Those are really the only Marilyn Manson songs I've ever listened to, but I really like this song a lot. I think it's got a great main riff, a killer guitar tone, and it's very rhythmically distinct. The drums, they have a certain sonic characteristic. It makes it instantly recognizable as soon as you hear the dun 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 They have kind of like a chorus effect on them, and it's very distinct and very recognizable. It's just a huge song with a huge, huge chorus. Very, very hooky, very aggressive, which makes it perfect for wrestling. I gotta commend WWE for getting this song as the theme for SmackDown because this was a big song for Manson one of his biggest hit singles ever. So to be able to get this popular song as the theme for your show, which will air every week, that is a huge coup for actually both WWE and for Manson. So it it works both ways. And keep in mind as well, this is 2001. So we're still in that time period where Marilyn Manson was one of the most talked about, controversial, you know, most protested artists around with his shocking outfits and his, his lewd song content and his obscene stage shows. You, we're a few years removed from Antichrist Superstar and Mechanical Animals coming out. And Hollywood came out the year before. But we're still very much in the zeitgeist of Manson being labeled this, you know, what an evil, diabolical group led by Shane McMahon. You know, just <laughs> being labeled this heinous 
figure by a lot of people, while at the same time selling millions of albums. So all of that aura around him and the band is still there. So I commend the WWE, again, for capitalizing on his infamy while he was still hot. Because Laura knows they have a history of being hot on artists a few years after the sell-by date. So That is very true. Good, good on them for, for using Manson the appropriate time when they needed to use him. And what's cool is that this one feels equally as important as everybody on the ground. Because I associate this with the early days of SmackDown and kind of like the SmackDown fist era. I associate it like really strongly with that. Maybe even more so than everybody on the ground. And it's an era that's really kind of close to my heart as far as SmackDown goes. And this is synonymous with SmackDown to me. So really speaks to how well it fit because there are some songs that were poached from some big bands that we'll see later on that, well, I'll reserve my thoughts for them. Okay. But no, this is a great song. I love the production of the song, too. It really, it feels dirty and grimy, but also, like, huge and anthemic, especially when you get to, the like, the pre-chorus and the chorus. It's really just a, an interesting sonic picture that the song paints, and it fits wrestling really well. It has the certain kind of primal drive to it that I think makes a great song for a wrestling program. Manson's songs in general tend to lend themselves quite well to wrestling because, you know, that aggressive, chunky rock and roll. I know Christopher Daniels used Disposable Teens oh, that's on the right. indie scene. Austin Aries used his cover of Personal Jesus and yeah. Ring of Honor and other places. Uh, the uh, the stable Decay in TNA he used the Nobodies because Billy Corgan and Manson are friends. And the ECW brand from the WWE used it. They had This Is The New Shit as one of the themes to their show. So Manson has left his mark definitely in wrestling for sure. And I think I want to mention as well, in regards to this song in particular, uh, I think it's good to talk about edits. Because the opening video only lasts like, what, 30 seconds, 40 seconds? They're not just going to put the first verse in there. They're going to they're gonna condense the song down so you get you know the real meat of the song, where it's the chorus with the chunky guitars and the and the opening riff and the screaming man and you know, it's that type of you know it's that type of driving beat and that condensed sort of song that'll get you pumped up for a wrestling show and doing that also bypasses a potential issue with an outside theme in that the lyrical content doesn't really match the on-screen product you know the subject matter of the beautiful people is indeed about the beautiful people and beauty and superficiality and conformity, not really something to do with like SmackDown or like the wrestlers themselves or wrestling. But if you just focus on the chorus where you can't really decipher the lyrics that all that well, if you're not listening closely, you're more focused on the music, then it can make it so the lyrics don't really matter. So edits are very important to bypassing the issues of lyrical content in regards to outside themes. Remember uh, back in the 70s when people thought Kiss were like the most evil thing around with the face pain, the blood, and the fire breathing? Led by Shane Led McMahon. Led by Shane McMahon. Remember when people thought Kiss was like the most evil thing in the world? <laughs> <laughs> and then along comes Marilyn Manson with his, you know, his, his, his white albino makeup and his leather corsets and just that, oh, that, that creepy bodysuit on the Mechanical Animals album cover. It just makes me laugh to think like, 
Gene Simmons, like Satan incarnate for some reason. Like, <laughs> But he'll try to trademark that. Don't you worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll trademark Satan. So, <laughs> And Shane McMahon. Next up, May 22nd, 2003 to September 16th, 2004. So we are well entrenched in the Ruthless Aggression era here, Chris. We've got A-Train. We've got Zach Gowan. We've got the FBI. And we've got Jim Johnston back in the saddle again with a theme that was finally, finally commercially released a few weeks ago on WWE Uncaged 3. The song is called I Want It All. This one hits my nostalgia bone real hard because this was my first SmackDown theme. Back in the day when I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, no hint of irony or snarkiness or cynicism. Who were you? Yeah, I was... I, you, know who I, you know who I was, Chris? I was a hopeful young boy tuning in to watch the Bashin Brothers take on <laughs> Billy Kidman and Funaki the way that God intended. Okay? <laughs> does Danny does Danny Basham have a ball gag in his mouth? Yes. Is Doug Basham wearing the gimp mask? Yes. Is prepubescent Andrew very confused? Absolutely. <laughs> Seriously, though, this theme here has the most noticeable shift so far. Because everybody on the ground and the beautiful people are go, go, go right from the start with the aggressive guitars and the drums. This is different. We start off with the soft vocals, some scant piano notes in there. It really accentuates this theme and makes it stand out from the previous two. It also makes it stand out from the raw theme at this time across the nation by the Union Underground, which does start off in that aggressive sort of foot on the gas type of manner that I mentioned. So it's a very, very interesting little, little changes here. Of course, after that intro, what do we get, Chris? We get the Big Jimmy Special. And, and we all know the Big Jimmy Special is hip hop vocals over hard rock guitars and drums. That is classic Big Jimmy Johnston right there oh yes it's it, it's it's full-on it's the full-on big jimmy special but let me say this those riffs fucking slam and some of these guitar tones that he was getting around this time they absolutely crush like i love a lot of the guitar tones that he was using at this time like this song luther rain's theme song had a fucking <laughs> monster of a guitar tone i've had peace before <laughs> i've had guitarists before <laughs> But, you know, like you said, the song really slowed down the tempo from the previous two, but it doesn't detract from the energy. It, it has a different sort of energy, one that makes you pay attention more. It really accentuates a certain kind of vibe that I really like, especially when you have these big, just chunky metal guitars and just riffs that really slam. Instrumentally, I think that this is, is really great. And when it goes into the lyrics, too, those riffs are right there with like it really adds the, the punch to the vocals where it's like it's my life, my time, my rights. It's bana, bana, but it's it's all right there with it with the vocals. So that that's real great too. And yeah, being being slower, being not as loud as, being not as aggressive as with the themes, makes it stand out. 
So when it does go big, when it does, when it starts with the piano stuff and the little stuff, it's been a long time. Yeah, won't stop. Uh, uh. When it does go into the riffs, you take notice. It makes you makes you put your head up. This is probably the heaviest SmackDown theme. This one, just even just from an instrumental point of view, it's got to be the heaviest. It's like how the thing that should not be is the heaviest song on Master of Puppets. This would be a great entrance song for someone if it wasn't the theme for the TV show because you can just kind of have a cool kind of swagger walk to it. The second part of the theme after it the intro video would cut off, there's a whole kind of riff fest that happens after the vocals end that I never really paid much attention to, but that's what they play after they show the video when they're showing the shots of kind of panning around the arena. Yeah, Michael Cole and Taz, welcome everyone to SmackDown. We got a great yeah. show for you. Yeah, it's dun 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 Yeah, so it plays under him. It yeah. does, and I've never really paid much attention to that until I was listening now, and I'm like, this is incredible. This is great. But we haven't really talked much about the vocals. Mm. Now, I don't know if you were able to figure out who this was on vocals. Unfortunately, no. I read somewhere that someone thought it was trademark, but it doesn't really sound like him to me. So I wasn't able to confirm a vocalist either. But as far as the lyrics go... I I mentioned this with Manson. Not really any references to wrestling. It's not really about wrestling or SmackDown. You know, no references to power slams or or pile drivers or anything like that. I think it has to do more with the hip-hop game, actually. You know? The line, it's my life, my time, my rights, my rhymes, my grind, my struggle. I mean, you can still ascertain the overall gist of the song through it's like, you know, competition, the struggle, wanting success. You can ascribe it to to wrestling. You do that. But as far as like it being about wrestling, is that's not the case at all. But that's all well and good up until he starts talking about smelling. <laughs> Because he's, he's his predator smells fear. He smells a lot. His competitors fled scared because they smelt he was hot. So whatever that means, <laughs> they smelt I was hot. What the fuck does that even? Uh, mean? I don't. I have no. I have no idea. The line I was I was curious about is this one. I want it all. The excess, the sex, and much success. <laughs> because I'm curious about it because. He really puts a lot of emphasis on the sex part of the, of the line. I want it all, the excess, the, the sex, sex, and much success. Which is kind of an odd thing to emphasize for a TV show theme about pro wrestlers. But, I mean, hey, I guess if you're a wrestler on SmackDown, you know, you're, you're a TV star. You know, you got, you probably do pretty well in the, in the boudoir, as they say. So I just hope that this rapper doesn't smell when he's having sex. Because that would be, <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't be a, a pleasurable experience for anyone. I also uh, want to give a shout out to the opening video that was used with this song. Yes. Because, again, a departure from the norm. Because normally with a, a TV show opening, what do you get? You get action shots, big moves, crazy moments, wrestlers going nuts. With this video, it's the first half is just wrestlers backstage in black and white looking all contemplative and moody. You've got, you know, you got, you got Brock Lesnar doing the, you know, the Brock Lesnar taunt, the jumps. Warming up for his match. Kurt Angle is roaming the hallways. Undertaker is leaning leaning against uh, like a giant concrete column with his arms, his head down. Chris Benoit is like sitting in the locker room looking all, looking all intense. The Rock, The Rock is sitting backwards in a steel chair with his chin on his hands with the, with the most forlorn, deep look on his face. When the hell do you ever see The Rock? <laughs> Look contemplative and deep in thought. 
Never. Uh, yeah. I, he looked like a really depressed substitute teacher. Yeah. You know how they, like, they come in the classroom and like turn the chair around? It's like, hey, guys. The Rock always comes across as confident, energetic, type A personality rock. Never like moody rock. No one wants to see that. I mean, it, it's, it's a very striking open for your TV show. And looking back, I think I really enjoy it because it's so different than, than the norm. I love this video, man. It's great. I, I was watching the video. I was watching all the intro videos to prepare for the episode. But as soon as this one came on, I was like, oh, this is just great. This is my probably my favorite intro video. It's either this or the classic thorn in your eye. Austin's walking through the explosions. Everyone's fighting in the ring that's on fire. <laughs> it's either this or that. Mm. As far as a SmackDown intro video goes, this one is incredible. Like you said, the way it transitions from black and white to then the panning shots of the wrestlers all standing in the blue background and the camera kind of pans from left yeah, to right. Yeah, and they kind of do, the, do their taunts. Yeah. And it's more serious, like... Yeah, like you know, big shows doing the the, the, the choke slam taunt. People like you know, guys are throwing up fists. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, so, Rey Mysterio doing his, his little, little like, pose. fingers out type of thing he does. Yeah. <laughs> On September twenty third, two thousand and four, SmackDown has its fifth anniversary special, and to commemorate the event, gets a new theme song done by Drowning Pool. The anniversary show uses an instrumental version of the song, but the following week, the lyric version of the song debuts. And it runs until September 26, 2008. So four long years, actually. Off the album Thematic, WWE The Music Volume 6, this is Rise Up. It's a huge deal, Chris. Fifth anniversary show, the beginning of a new era of SmackDown. We we need a new theme, something hip, something current, something fresh. Let's go with Drowning Pool. Drowning Pool. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, they did do the WrestleMania 20 theme, Step Up, earlier in the year, which we talked about in episode five, in the WrestleMania episode. And if we're looking at the time period, 2004, I mean. The window is still open somewhat for bands like Drowning Pool and Saliva and P.O.D. to get in there in the mainstream music spotlight, although it is kind of dwindling and closing by the second. But you know, like I said, Chris, WWE are not really known for being, uh, shall we say, bastions of what is hip and cool in regards to music. You know, they're more like <laughs> they're more like they're more like Principal Skinner. You know, am I so out of touch? No. It's the children who are wrong. So, Drowning Pool it is. This is highly embarrassing, but I'm just going to say it anyway. I remember using the lyrics of the verse in my aim away message back in the day. Oh, boy. I, I, I don't know why, but I, I, I wouldn't be denied. Because all you got left is your pride. Yeah. 
and you will rise up. Like a phoenix from Arizona. <laughs> if I'm being honest here, Chris, gun to my head, I can't really badmouth the song. It's not bad, I don't think. It, it's fine. I can see what they're going for with it, with you know, the rising up and the breaking ground and the rocking and the rolling and all that stuff. Rocking I get it. And Moving and grooving? Moving and grooving. The problem is, I just don't care. Yeah. You know? Like, the theme is, is fine, it's good. It's just, I don't care. It's just there for me. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It just exists. So naturally, they used it for like four years. Oh, of course. It's the longest tenured theme in S. Magnon history. Of course. There's nothing for me to latch onto here. With the beautiful people, it was like, fuck yeah, here comes Manson. The song rocks. With I Want It All, it's the opening little salvo with the piano and the, the soft vocals. Here, though, it's just a song. It's just mid-2000s hard rock. Yeah. Which is very much not my jam. It's not bad. Mm. It's just, there's nothing, there's really nothing there. You know, I was a fan of Drowning Pool's debut album. I think I mentioned that before when we talked about them. But after the original vocalist passed away, I never really listened to anything else that they did. So I wasn't exactly super high on them at this point. But... This song went through a lot of revisions. There were like four or five different versions of this with alternate vocal takes, uh, different you know tempo changes, different instrumentation, and also the intro video that accompanies the instrumental version, the first one that they used for the anniversary show. The video for that is one of the most awkward things I've ever seen produced by this company. As far as the song goes, it just doesn't have the same energy as previous ones, and Aside from maybe the chorus, it just sounds a little bit more sullen and a little bit more kind of like, it's almost depressing. Especially if you listen to the whole song, because, you know, the, the SmackDown theme edit is very much, you know, I will rise up, break and roll. It's very much that screaming kind of thing in the chorus. But the whole song, though, it's like, I will sit right here and ride my time. It's not as punchy and upbeat as like you know manson is or even i want it all but yeah like i said it's it's just there like i don't i don't hate it i mean it's it's fine it's just i don't really attach to it and it's odd because at this point i was still watching wwe religiously you know every single week so even though the theme didn't grab me i was still watching smackdown and raw all the time so it's kind of weird how this theme wasn't really attached to me as much as the previous theme was Yes, during some of the peak years of SmackDown, too. Mm. Now, you mentioned the opening video. The one I remember this song with the most is the weird little, like, it was like them doing their moves in like a weird, like, white and blue void. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's like, it's like weird, like, blue spirals are coming in and out, and it's like, <laughs> like, Booker T's doing like a, a scissors kick, and like, Eddie Guerrero's doing the frog splash. <laughs> but it's like it's like in a weird like void. Like, there's no ring or anything like that. It's just it's, it's very very strange. Yeah, very awkward looking. And like I said, this theme four years. This is the longest tenured song that SmackDown has ever had, and that includes going from Thursday nights to Friday nights, and also when UPN merged with the WB and they became the CW. So SmackDown, you know, moved channels. For the first time on September 22nd, 2006, but they kept Rise Up through the changeover, which, as we'll see later on, isn't always the case. Speaking of network changes, however, on October 3rd, 2008, SmackDown debuts on My Network TV and gets its next theme, another Jim Johnston song. It runs from October 3rd until September 25th, 2009. 
This one only lasts a year. Off the album Voices, WWE The Music Volume 9, this is called If You Rock Like Me. Do we, do we have to talk about this one, Chris? We can actually skip it. Do we have to talk about this one? This is a, this is a painful one, man. Let's roll on to let it roll. This actually makes me want Johnny Pool to come back. <laughs> That's how bad this one is. Oh it, no! Right, rise back up again. It's all right. Come yeah, on. yeah. Like when I want it all changed to rise up, I was disappointed, but I could live with it. I could, I could tolerate it because, you know, the song was okay. This one, though is a different story altogether because it is bad. And you know me, Chris, if I like something, no matter how cheesy or corny it is, I'm going to say that I like it. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, I can't say it's not warranted. Yeah. This sounds like it should be on Hulk rules. It's funny you say that. Is it dated in 2009? Uh, the lyrics to this song (laughs) are the most simplistic, generic (laughs) lyrics ever. Here's what they are. If I'm on the floor... Don't ever count me out, because I will stand up strong. It's what I'm all about. Because if you rock like me, you always stand your ground. And you take the pain, or else you're going down. And I wrote in my notes, these are Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band levels of simplistic lyrics. (laughs) I mean, it's bad enough that the music sounds like every WWE mid-carter theme. Where it's, it's a wild rock and roll, look out, here comes a guitar solo, heading straight for ya, but uh, with the lyrics, it's just, it's so bad. The only saving grace, the only Devon Dudley finisher here <laughs> in this damn song is the fact that those are the only lyrics. It's just that it's the first verse, the chorus, guitar solo, the chorus, guitar solo, chorus, end of song. So it's kind of like the opposite of I Want It All. Where with I want it all, I actually, actually kind of wanted a few more verses in there with the rap lyrics, to be honest with you. Here, though, I'm actually happy there are no more verses. There are no more lyrics. Because, oof, is this thing bad. Can we talk about the Reverend Devon theme instead? The Eyes of Righteousness. He's dominating. <laughs> Looking down upon you with uh, Deacon Batista. Deacon Batista. Deacon Batista. Oh, with man. The, with the, the, the box of money. Man, this, this song is bad, man. This is a bad song. This is like the first big misstep, I think, when it comes to the SmackDown themes. You don't want a TV show, or a pay-per-view theme for that matter, to sound like a generic wrestler theme. You want it to stand out and be something special, you know? SmackDown should not have a song that sounds like a rejected Lance Cade singles theme, okay? (laughs) Better yet, Garrison Cade, when he was still Garrison Cade. Yeah, uh, thankfully, this one lasted a year. Thankfully, so we don't have to put up with it long. I'm surprised it lasted that long, yeah. to be honest with you. I don't, I don't even remember this at all. Me neither, yeah. This was during a time when I kind of like pieced out of wrestling for a little while. So fortunately, I didn't 
really remember this or ever have to suffer through it. But this is also one of those songs that I knew for sure someone on YouTube would be like, oh, this one is so underrated. Yeah. So much better than today's crappy themes. Bring this one back. Yes, that is <laughs> YouTube comments did not disappoint in that regard. Yeah, this was, oh, this should be the one today. You should bring this back. As if that's ever going to happen. Oh, they should bring back the Attitude Era, man. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Remember there were broad panties matches? Yeah. <laughs> to fill your fantasy, man. That was the good old days. Bring Austin back. Oh, Bring Austin back to do a Brian Petty's match. <laughs> Time, Chris, for a little pick-me-up. Because our next theme is by a band that, before this song debuted on SmackDown, I had never heard of before. And after the song left the rotation, I have not heard of since. It's a band called Divide the Day, and they're from Southern California. WWE chose this song to be their theme for SmackDown. From October 2nd, 2009 to September 24th, 2010. Again, only a year. Off the album Looking for Trouble, this is Let It Roll. This is pod racing. <laughs> this, to me, is a wrestling show theme. It's got some pep in its step. It's feisty as hell. It sounds like a contemporary hard rock song. You can sing along to it. It's fun. It's just a fun song. It's everything that, if you rock like me, isn't. I don't remember this one either. <laughs> I do. I remember it, it, it a little bit. Yeah, a lot more than if you rock like me, that's for sure. I like the hook, I will say yeah. that. Catchy little number. Yeah, I think a big part of why I like this song is the energy. The energy they put into it, like the chorus. It, it's very infectious. You, get, you, you just get into it. You want to sing along to the gang vocals and all that kind of stuff. So it's a huge step up right now. Step up right now. It's a huge step up in that regard. Uh, <laughs> and that and definitely very much so over the previous song. And they actually put effort into the lyrics. They actually wrote more than one verse. So good on them for actually you know putting effort into the song. Unlike some people. I just, I love that the first line is, so you think you can shoot your mouth off. Well, you better watch your aim. It, it just sounds like someone's really angry Facebook status. <laughs> it, it's not Bob Dylan, but I'll take it. I had this song in my head for a little while after I was listening to it to take notes, and I kind of made my own version of the chorus, and that version of the chorus could be used in Domino's advertising, I think, because... The lyrics for it are, let it roll, let it roll, I want a pasta bowl. Oh, come on, man. The new pasta bread bowl from Domino's. <laughs> let it roll, let it roll, I want a oh, pasta geez. bowl. Come on, pasta bowl. <laughs> oh, you weird outcome. <laughs> I think it's kind of a shame that this song only lasted a year because you know, as an unknown band, getting this type of, of exposure on national TV, 
on a weekly basis is it's pretty big. Huge. Yeah, Manson doesn't need the exposure. He exposes himself enough. Yeah, exactly. Drowning Pool, you know, doesn't need the exposure every week because, you know, they've already broken the they've already broken the barrier when it comes to that. Oh, a band like Divide the Day, you know, who are getting this spot and it's their their first real taste of the spotlight, they need it for as long as they can. So and a, a year is a long time, of course, but you know, two years, four years, that's so much longer. So it kind of sucks for them that they only got a year as opposed to earlier themes. Womp. So SmackDown moves channels again to Sci-Fi, its first cable channel, and it gets another new theme, its seventh theme, its third theme in two years. So we're moving along real quick here. This debuted on October 1st, 2010, and ran until October 19th, 2012. Off the album 21st Century Breakdown, this is Green Day with Know Your Enemy. This is a lot like The Beautiful People, where SmackDown now has a pretty big song as its theme, because this was a huge single for Green Day. When it came out, it went to uh, number one on three different rock tracks, top 30 hit on the Billboard Hot 100. The album it came out on, 21st Century Breakdown, it won a Grammy. You know, plus it, it's Green Day, and that's kind of a big deal in and of itself. So, you know, once again, SmackDown now has a rather popular song as its theme each and every week. And it's even more impressive for WWE because SmackDown started using Beatle People like, you know, a few years after it came out. Know Your Enemy came out like the year before, so it's still a lot fresher than the Manson song is. That's all very true. Having said that, I do know my enemy, and it is this song. Not a fan, are you? No. <laughs> are you a Green Day fan at all? Uh, I can't say I've ever listened to them. Aside from the songs that everyone hears, you know, just by existing, there are certain songs from them that you've heard. Yeah. But I never really listened to them, and uh, I can't say that this is really enticing me. To do so. Yeah, I, I know the hits, of course. This is definitely one of the poppier songs that SmackDown has had yet. And like the beautiful people, the overall lyrics of the song don't really matter because, again, you're using an edit. So it's a very politically heavy song, but if you cut out like 90% of the lyrics and you just get the opening drum fill, that boom, 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 guitar riff, and the chorus, it doesn't really matter what the lyrics are because it's just a catchy hook for your show. It is catchy, I'll give it that. But, you know, I really thought that this was more recently. It feels like it was just the SmackDown theme. It doesn't feel like it's been... It's been... <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's been five years since this was the theme. Because everything that comes in between now and then, it all kind of blurs together for me. And it doesn't really feel like it's been that long. It doesn't feel like there's been that many themes. But I was very surprised. That, yeah, it's really been five years since this was the SmackDown theme. Yeah, and regard, in regards to a wrestling show, you can make a decent argument to how it could fit. You know, do you know the anime? Do you know your an enemies? Good versus evil, baby faces versus heels, wrestling, combat, drama. You can make it work. So, but, yeah, it's kind of a, I guess, if you're not a fan of Green Day, then you know, not, may not like the theme, of course, but uh, I think you can make it work in regards to a show theme. Yeah, it's 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 fine. It's not if you rock like me, so No of course. It has that going for it. Continuing on to our next SmackDown theme, this one runs 
from October 26th, 2012 to April 4th, 2014. And uh, this is by another band that I never heard of before or since. Seven Lions. And off the EP Born to Run, this is the title track Born to Run. I wonder how you feel about this one, Chris, because in regards to the, the overall genre of songs that we've had on this, on this show so far, I think this is the biggest shift we've heard in regards to the sound of the themes. Because most of what we've heard so far is, you know, rock, metal, you know, straightforward, that kind of thing. What we have here with Born to Run is a song that is half like pop rock with the chorus. It's very, you know, very triumphant, very Maroon 5 train-ish type of vibe. The other half being like party hip-hop, like Pitbull or Flo Rida, that type of sound. And it's all wrapped up in this big inspirational rah-rah, let's conquer the world type of message, which is the message of a lot of SmackDown themes. To me, this sound is very different than most of what we've heard so far. Of course, I'm talking about the full version of the song, because the edit version is pretty much just the chorus but what what do you think about that i was actually pleasantly surprised by this one i didn't recognize it by name but as soon as the chorus kicked in i did remember it and like you said it's definitely softer and poppier than you would typically go for this type of thing but i actually think it works pretty well with the video and it was just very to me refreshing after the last few ones it could kind of get lost in the midst of like the mediocrity of some of the ones that came before it but i actually i think it has a nice hook and like i said i just i found it really refreshing actually yeah the hook's nice uh, it's very a lot lighter than you know some of the other themes of course i will say though and this this may or may not make sense uh, this may be crazy i'll let you judge you know how wwe runs these like video packages from time to time to promote the network or fan access or tribute to the troops yeah with like the crowd shots, wrestling wrestlers coming out, interacting with fans, the big moves, kind of like that. I get those vibes from this song, with the fr- with the friendly hip hop and the big soaring chorus. To be honest with you, I can't really line this song up with a weekly wrestling show. The two don't really go together, and I think a large part of that has to do with the vocals and the hook. Something about that voice to me when the sky falls. It's too on the nose when it comes to the inspirational high range vocals. Like the voice is so stereotypically perfect and inspirational and at the right tempo that it takes me out of it and makes me think, you know, I've heard this voice in a million WWE music videos. I can't put myself in the mindset of this being a weekly television show theme because Manson is screaming. You know, the drowning pool guy is yelling. The Divide the Day guy has kind of a, a faster tempo to him, a metal speed to him. Uh, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day has that you know classic Billy Joe nasally voice to him. So all those work for me, even though you know most of those songs share the same message that Born to Run has about being you know being the best and rising up and you know, not being held down. It's just the Seven Lions guy voice. It's it's too inspirational. Is that crazy to think, Chris? Is that is that too neurotic? No, no, you're right, because you hit the nail on the head that it does it does smack of the 
video packages whenever they're showing off how philanthropic they are. Yes, exactly, yes. It does have that vibe to it. And I, I didn't think about that. I just kind of took it as, well, you know, this song doesn't make me want to die, so <laughs> there you go. And I, I actually think the way they cut it to the video does work, but maybe watching week to week, I'm not sure if this would get me excited for a wrestling show, to your point, but... I did like the song. Not that I'm ever going to listen to it in my free time and not that I'm going to go buy Seven Lions albums, mm. but comparatively, you know, when I, I I'm just I'm thinking about If You Rock Like Me, I'm thinking about how much better this is than that. So everything that came after If You Rock Like Me was just like yeah. bumped up a few notches because yeah. because that song was just the worst. Much one more thing here. The guy singing the chorus, he says the word run in a really strange way. He doesn't say run, he says rayon. Next up is theme number nine, number nine. And it's our first theme done by CFOs. Uh, This one features Dylan Owen on lead vocals. And it lasted from April 4th, 2014 to January 9th, 2015. So not even a full year, actually. This is actually the shortest tenure for a SmackDown theme ever. The song is called This Life. I think, Chris, this is SmackDown's version of Tonight is the Night. Yes. Because it's the, it's the same type of hip-hop, the same groove tempo, if you will. That's definitely the direction that CFOs are going here. And although, you know, if we're leaving that song off the table, I think it's also very indicative of, like, Remember the Name by Fort Minor. Yes. That type of song as well. I, I, I got those type of vibes as well. Yeah. In any event... It's important to note that any trace of rock or metal is left behind for this theme, which is a rarity amongst the SmackDown themes. It is. Although I do think it does have some element of rock to it, but it's that blend of rock and rap that CFOs kind of naturally are able to do, and way more naturally than Jim Johnson has ever really been able to do. Mm. I did pick up on the Fort Minor kind of Mike Shinoda, Mike Shinoda. <laughs> I did kind of, I did kind of pick up on that. That's very obviously a big influence for them. So it makes sense that that type of sound is all over their music. But like you said, with tonight's the night, CFOs they kind of have a formula for these TV show themes or like things that aren't wrestling themes like the music that they'll maybe if they do something for a pay-per-view or like that wwe network song that they did they have a kind of formula and i think it's a lot of it is in the way they harmonize their vocals uh it's something that i've picked up on as one of their signature sounds that they go back to for these type of songs they always have these type of lyrics that exist in the basically generic but also really befitting of a wrestling theme area yeah which is it's something that they excel in and that's that's not a knock because their stuff is perfect for the way that wwe wants to present their product in this day and age Mm. so that's why they use them for everything now because they have the formula that clicks with the product at least 
the way they want it to click with the product. Mm. For the song itself, I mean, I hate that I like the chorus, but I do. I, it's catchy. And honestly, this has uh, a vibe that works better for a wrestling show than I think anything we've heard since maybe Rise Up. And that's even being generous to Rise Up. I think it works. I think it's it's good. It's it's not obviously everybody on the ground. It's not the beautiful people. It's not I want it all. But for, when was this, 2015, 2014, I think this is pretty solid. Yeah, uh, it's a good song. I, I honestly don't have a lot to say about it, but there is something interesting about how there are actually two versions of the song. One of them is the main one, which has Dylan Owen on vocals. The other one was used for the bumpers for the commercial breaks, and it features our old pal Cody Beware on vocals who we all know from the Kings of Wrestling theme and uh, Cachizono's current theme, uh, Heroes Welcome. So I don't know why they needed two versions of the song, but uh, th- there you go. When you have CFOs at your beck and call, that's the type of stuff that you can do. What does it say, though, that this song lasts less than a year and also lasts less than If You Rock Like Me? Normally, I'd say that that someone probably just hated it, but it seems like that's what they've been doing recently because we're going to see a trend now with the next few that the turnover for these themes is starting to really just ramp up. Yeah, I think the reason why this left so quickly, not because of you know, someone hated it, I think it's more like, again, they changed networks again. So they just figure, you know, why not just go, go something new? But uh, yeah, tough breaks for, for this song because it was going along smoothly and all of a sudden, nope, gone. Luckily, the CFO's factory just keeps pumping them out. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be back. There will be 15 more songs that sound kind of like this used as the SmackDown theme. So yeah, yeah. don't you worry, folks. Before we get to our next network, our next next you know, channel change theme, we have a song that was used for one night only, the 15th anniversary show on October 10th, 2014, off the album American Beauty, American Psycho. This is Fall Out Boy with Centuries. <laughs> Some legends are told, some turn to dust or to gold, but you will remember me, remember me for centuries. Just one mistake is all it will take, will go down in history, remember me for centuries. Say what you will about Smackdown, but... When it comes to picking songs from major outside artists, they tend to smash the ball over the fence. We mentioned how big The Beautiful People was, and how Know Your Enemy was this huge hit. This song, Centuries, was a monster single for Fall Out Boy. Number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, four times platinum. I remember ESPN chose this song to be the official anthem for the 2014 college football playoffs. And they played this thing on a loop. They played it so much. It got so much exposure. So much so that actually <laughs> Fall Out Boy actually did an interview and they had to apologize <laughs> for the song being played so much. It being so overexposed. <laughs> and, you know, this is actually pretty, actually the most relevant SmackDown theme ever when it comes to, you know, popular artists because the single came out on October 9th and a month later it was the theme for this special show. So again, props to WWE for being so quick on the draw and snatching this theme up 
for a major episode like this one. This song is everywhere, or was everywhere, and it still to a degree continues to be everywhere. And knowing that they apologized for how much this song has been played and played and played, it actually makes me feel a little bit better about it because, man, it's just been done to death. But that said, it does make a cool promo song for the anniversary show. What I think is most interesting about this song to me is that it samples Tom's Diner. Yeah, by Suzanne Vega. Which I love that song. I think that's a great song. And I've never been into Fall Out Boy, but I think it's really cool that they did incorporate Tom's Diner because this song was everywhere, so people might have discovered Tom's Diner as a result and it might have inspired them to go and, and check that out and listen to it. And Fall Out Boy, they do that a lot. I know they have one song that samples, I think, the Munsters theme. The song is called Uma Thurman, and it does sample the Munsters theme. So that's interesting. So their next song, they're going to sample, like, the Green Hornet yeah. <laughs> 1966 theme song. Car 54, where are you? <laughs> doom, 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 doom. <laughs> I wonder, though, why this song was only used for one night only. Probably licensing is... Yeah, I, I wonder because... Because it was so in at the time. Probably, yeah, because now Green Day kid for a few years and, and Nancy for a few years as well so I, I assume like I said licensing issues were the, for the, the key here because uh, the other two songs we had for, for years so very very interesting how this was only used once or maybe Fall Out Boy themselves intervened and were like look this song is is people are going to be burned out on this song just, just use it once and be done with it yeah yeah I like Fall Out Boy yeah I've never actually listened to them aside from being assaulted with their music <laughs> in advertising and in various other places. So so like I said, SmackDown changes networks again and moves to USA, the same channel as Raw, and it moves back to Thursday nights. So pop the champagne because here comes another theme. This one ran from January 15th, 2015 to July 19th, 2016. So another theme that only lasts about a year and a half. What a, what a shock. <laughs> it's by CFOs and it's called Black and Blue. Another good song. It is like that kind of CFOs type of rock type of thing. It, it, it's a SmackDown theme. We know what the drill is here. It's got its triumphant lyrics about perseverance and so forth. Kind of part of the course, really. It's CFOs doing their formula again and really just kind of serving their purpose perfectly because while this is not stellar in any way, I mean, they deliver exactly what WWE wants and that's why they're all over WWE programming. You know, they don't need to license music from bands like Drowning Pool or Green Day or even remember those downstate years where every theme was downstate? Oh, yeah. They don't have to do that anymore because they have CFOs now and they have a proven track record that they're versatile enough to produce any genre that has been thrown at them, and there's been quite a few. And most of WWE's TV themes in recent years, they exist in this safe middle ground where they're not soft, but they're definitely not heavy. 
at least is not as heavy as some of the themes of old. Mm. More than anything, they're catchy and accessible and have just enough energy to where you can justify it being the intro to professional wrestling. They're a creamy, nougaty middle. Led by Shane McMahon. Led by Shane McMahon. I've seen a lot of hate for this one online. Really? I don't know why people would hate this one, especially considering the last decade of SmackDown themes that came before it. Yeah. I like the chorus on this one. I think it's it's catchy. Uh, one of the more catchy CFO's themes. Yeah. TV themes, I should say. It's something you can sing along to. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the Genius.com annotations. Oh, my God. For some of the lyrics here. Oh, right. We've done this before. <laughs> We've done it plenty of times before. And they, they've, they've given us plenty of giggles and guffaws over the months. And this is no different. All of these annotations that I'm about to read are done by a user named Jellybean1998. Great. (laughs) So if you're listening, buddy, don't take this personally, all right? And keep in mind, this was posted two years ago. Keep that in mind. Okay. Black and blue, I crawl along the wreckage of what now is gone. Jellybean writes, Wrestling is based a lot around fighting, and bruises are usually deemed as the colors black and blue. Throughout the years, there have been many feuds and big top groups broke up. I related it back to the shield and how a war split them apart, leaving both two members with bruises to remember. Here's the next one. Back to you to fight another day. Jellybean writes, Teams came back together, one huge pair being Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. <laughs> it was hard to it was hard to believe to stay together, but they both ended up coming back together to fight a common enemy. Line number three. I'll go on and on and on and on. Jellybean writes, no matter what happens, there are many people that are staying strong and never giving up. In the sense of the shield, <laughs> Dean, <laughs> Dean and Roman, who are the last two past members, refuse to give up on each other or the fights they face. One more. Here's one more. I'm facing the demons I created with every last part of me. Chris, take a wild guess which wrestlers... Jellybean references here in this annotation. Take a wild fucking guess. Is it Dean Ambrose? Jellybean writes, Essentially, this line is saying that the main narrator is facing the demons that they ended up creating or blame themselves for. I related it back to the S.H.I.E.L.D. situation (laughs) and how it was shown that Dean had to face two demons, Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins, that he started the fight with. So... Oh my god. (laughs) Jellybean, buddy... Thank you for the top literary analysis there about the song Black and Blue, because I had nothing to say about this song, but you did apparently. So thank you, buddy. Thank you so much for that. I'm so so glad you found that. (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious. Our final theme of the episode, and it's another CFO's theme. This one came about because SmackDown moved to Tuesdays and became a live show. So naturally, need a new theme. It started on July 26, 2016, and it's been going ever since. The song is called Take a Chance.
think it skews more towards, in my opinion, the pop punk kind of genre in a way. It sounds like Know Your Enemy yeah. in the intro, the drums in the intro. Yeah, ex- yes, exactly. You know what? I thought it was like a mix between Know Your Enemy and The Rising, Justin Gabriel's theme. That that kind of guitar little thing there. And the vocals are kind of like a less aggressive Rise Against, where it's like you've got the punk, which also have like the catchy like vocals and hooks. So it's CFOs being a bit more punky. Good song, catchy. No annotations to say about this one. Oh man. Yeah, sorry about that. But uh, you know, the weird thing about CFOs is that a lot of their songs have a consistent sound, but they're all such different styles. Mm. Even though they do get a rap for kind of just being all over the place and just kind of being cookie cutter, repetitive as well. They do have a sound, not as much as like you can hear Jim Johnston and you can hear what era he was in and. For geeky people like me, you can be like, oh yeah, so he was definitely using the Telecaster on this one, and he used the same drums that he used on the Jackals theme on this one. And he, they don't have it to that degree where it's like, there's a really, really super talented musician back there just working on these themes and like putting all of himself into it. They do have the kind of modern copy and paste aspect to them, but they still do have a core sound, I believe. And you can hear that across all the TV themes that they've done. However, it's been a few days since I took the notes to listen and listen to this theme for the episode. I don't even remember what this one sounds like aside from the intro with the drums sounding like Know Your Enemy. So this is probably the least interesting one that I've heard from them. Yeah, and uh, that's it, Chris. That was all the SmackDown themes. And it was uh, was a fun journey to the history of SmackDown themes. I'm sure, you know, SmackDown will be here for a long time to come. Centuries! (laughs) Well, that does it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Remember, we are part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, home to so many fantastic wrestling podcasts like Open the Voice Gate, Burning Spirits, Shake Them Ropes, Wrestling Omakase, Everything Evolves, WrestleNomics, so much more. Check them all out at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter, at Music of the Mat. And make sure you also go to the VOW forums at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forums. Finally, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. And just, in general, spread the word about us. We, we love when new people hop on board the Muscular Mystery Tour, don't we, Chris? I absolutely love our listeners and everyone who recommends our podcast to people i really appreciate that so much i know andrew appreciates it we put a lot of work and time into this and we love the podcast and we love all the listeners so we really appreciate everyone who spreads the word and when this podcast keeps growing and growing and growing by word of mouth that really means a lot to us And the other way that you can do that is by leaving us a review, like Andrew said. It really, really does help us, especially now that we have our separate iTunes feed set up. It would super help us out to get a bunch of reviews on that feed. And I'm really glad that people dig the show because we dig it. We love doing it. And I'm super excited in particular about what we have coming up next. Yes, our next episode, episode 18 We're going to do something a little bit different than we've done before. Back on episode 11, we did an episode dedicated to a whole musical genre, hip-hop, and some of its examples in wrestling. Episode 18, we'll be doing sort of the same thing, except we're going to size it down considerably and look at just one band and its prevalence in the world of wrestling. And that band is Metallica. 
So, Chris, this is actually your idea. So why don't you explain how that episode is going to work? Well, basically, throughout the history of music in wrestling, there's been quite a bit of Metallica. I think the one that comes to mind for everyone is Sandman using Enter Sandman, but there's been a lot more. The way it's going to work is that we're just going to kind of go through chronologically and starting with the Kill 'Em All album all the way up to present day with Hardwired to Self-Destruct. And we're going to take a look at each of the songs that have been used in a wrestling capacity, whether that was as a wrestler's theme song or for a pay-per-view theme, whatever it was. We're going to group all the songs. We're going to list them all. We're going to put it into context and relate it back to wrestling, of course, because this is a wrestling podcast. But I'm so excited to do this. Metallica is one of my favorite bands, and I think that there's a lot of fun things that we can get into on that episode. So I'm really super excited about it. Yeah, if you're like Chris and I, and you're a fan of Metallica, you'll probably really like the next episode. And if you're not a Metallica fan, well, that's okay. We encourage you to listen anyway, because in my opinion, Metallica as a group has so much in common with pro wrestling. It's got evolving characters. It's got changing looks. It's got drama. It's got heel turns, future endeavors. Uh, At one point, the band loses a hair versus hair match in the 90s. Maybe not that one, but still, still. Someone who looks like a banana. Yeah. (laughs) The history and intricacies of Metallica, the entity, can be just as fascinating to talk about as the music. So we urge you to listen with open ears, and who knows, you may actually learn something for once in this podcast. Listen, I think people learn a lot on this podcast. Where else could you learn about Roman Reigns and Uh, Dean Ambrose? And how they had, <laughs> they had to survive. They had to get band back together. We got to get Jelly Bean on the show. <laughs> Priority number one. Absolutely. For Chris Buffet, I'm Andrew Rich. We'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, everyone. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.